I always, um, let me say that, often I love to start out with a question. And it's, a, it's an easy question. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christian to answer the question. It's that easy. How many of you um, in the room or in Overflow, we got some people in Overflow. Can we, well, can we say thank you to people in Overflow? Yeah. Um, how many of you have ever played on a team in an organized sport like football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, okay, softball? Uh, okay, yeah, a lot of people played organized sports, okay? I played football for two years, and then I retired. Um, I was just, I thought my career was over. I had just maxed it out. I, I wanted to move on to bigger and better things. But in fifth and sixth grade, I did play football. Now, my fifth grade year was, it, honestly, it wasn't fair because the team I played on was unbelievable. We were incredible. We went undefeated 10-0. and 0. And I, I was very much a part of that team. I was, I was a reason they went in 10-0 because um, I was the tackle dummy. And so if it wouldn't have been for me, the first string wouldn't have been possible. And so um, and our halftime speeches from our coach, um, let me back up. We didn't have locker rooms. This is easily South Carolina. It was Pope Field. So one team went to one corner of the field, and one team went to the other corner. Now, the year we went 10-0, this was our coach's halftime speech. This was every, every we, could, we could recite it with him. He'd walk up to us. We'd be up by like 20 or 30 points. He'd be like, boys, looking good. Don't screw it up. Let's go. Every week. Okay, well, let's, let's just do what he said. All right. But the next year, we lost some of our really great athletes. I mean, to, to let you know how bad it was, I was a starter. And so that, that's when you know it's bad. And we went, we went seven and three. And there was one particular game we were losing. I think we were down by 20 at half. And we had, ne I had, we had never been down by 20. Something brand new for our coach. And I experienced that day one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Where you were on a team or whatever, and your, your team is down, you're trailing, and your coach comes in and gives you the most motivational speech in the world. He didn't tear us down. Like, I remember we're all sitting there. We don't know what he's going to say because it's like with the don't screw it up speech isn't going to work. We're down by 20. So he walks in and he goes, guys, and we all kind of jumped. He goes, you're better than this. He said, you know what you need to do? We're all kind of leaning in. He said, you need to start believing in yourselves. None of you boys believe in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. Believe you can make that block. Believe you can make that tackle. Because if you believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything. We're all kind of nodding a little bit. And he goes, you know what else? You need to believe in your teammates. We started looking around. Yeah, believe in them. Believe they're going to do their job. You, do, you believe in yourself. You believe in them. You can accomplish anything. We're going to come back. We're going to win this game. Y'all, I was so fired up when we ran back on the field. Yeah! No, we got killed, honestly. I mean, that's, that's where the story kind of drops. I mean, they absolutely, like, there were children's body parts all over the field. I mean, they obliterated us. But that's where, that's where, that was the first time I ever experienced the lie that we tell a lot in American culture. And here it is. If you believe in yourself and you try really hard, you can accomplish anything you want in life. That's not true. It's not. It's not. You know how we know it's not true? Because, and you've heard me say it before, we watch American Idol. And the reason we watch American Idol is because of the auditions. 
because somebody told those people, if you believe in yourself <laughs> and try really hard, you can sing. And, um, and they, they got rejected. They probably sing in a church somewhere, but they, they, it sounds like a cow dying in the hailstorm, doesn't it? If, it? if I believed in myself and tried really hard, it doesn't matter. Listen, if you're an engineer in the room, it, 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 not, not choo-choo train engineer. I'm talking like engineer, like mechanical. Okay. I couldn't do what you do. You know why? Can't do math. If you worked really hard, nuh-uh. If you tried, nuh-uh, couldn't do it. Some of you are like on your little, and see, see, some of you are talented. You can sing. You can play an instrument. Some of you do construction. It, 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 for me, I had to learn that no matter how much I believed in myself and no matter how hard I tried, I was never going to be a professional athlete. I was, I was, not, I was never going to be an accountant. Can you believe at one time I was going to be an accountant? <laughs> yeah, that, that would have worked. I learned a long time ago. That when we tell our kids, believe in yourself and try really hard, you can accomplish anything, it's actually doing them a disservice. What if instead of telling the believe, people to believe in themselves? Because I'm going to be honest, I have a hard time believing in me, and here's why. Nobody has lied to me, hurt me, or cheated me more than me. If, if I were to punch the person responsible for the most pain in my life, it would be like the scene from Liar, Liar, where Jim Carrey's in the bathroom beating himself up, all right? So instead of believing in me and what I could do, what if we started telling our kids or we started believing for ourselves, what if we started believing not in what we could accomplish, but what the power of God working in us will accomplish? Because see, the lie is if you believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything. The truth is this. According to the power, according to scripture, according to the power of God working through you, you can accomplish anything in this world that he called you to accomplish. The reason I would tell you, and I'll show you this in a little while, the reason I would, tell, I would ask you to trade in your dreams for God's dreams is because God's dreams are way bigger than our dreams. And, and so, so today, I want to challenge everyone, instead of just believing in ourselves, what would happen if we believed in the power of God working through us? That, that would turn into something that would be immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Now, I want to start it today. Today's going to be a fun series. We're going to have a fun series talking about messy Christmas. Start talking about the manger scene. Now, the manger scene is jacked up. Any, everybody in your manger scene is messed up except little baby Jesus, and he's missing from most manger scenes. Have you ever noticed that? He's just missing. Nobody can find him. Um, by the way, the, the manger scene that you have in your house, or the manger, it, it wasn't that pretty, okay? Because you got animals in the manger scene. Am I right or am I wrong? You got animals? Okay. What do animals do? They go to the bathroom. Nobody has the poo-poo pee-pee manger scene. Nobody's got that in their house, and if they do, that's kind of gross. Like, why, why do you have that? Everybody's messed up. And by the way, let me kind of a little side note. The little drummer boy is not... And get him out of the manger scene. He's not in scripture and he does not belong. And if you're a mother who has ever had a child, you agree with me 100%. Because if you get that baby to sleep and a little boy shows up with a drum, pa-rum-pa-pum-pumming, he's going to need a proctologist to get his drumsticks when you're done, right? Moms, amen? Yeah. So, so the, 
The people at the manger are messed up. But some of the most messed up people, we're going to talk about them throughout the process, some of the most messed up people are called the wise men. Um, there, there's a popular song called We Three Kings, but, but, but there was more than three kings. We don't even know they were kings. And there's all this, but, but here's what we do know about the wise men. It, it's the stuff that Matthew tells us about them. In Matthew's gospel, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew and Luke give us the most information on the birth of Jesus. And this is what Matthew said in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, that, that statement right there, I wish I had time just to dive into how significant that is. Bethlehem is a hick town. It was a hick town. It is a hick town. Today. I've been there. I've been there. They, the only thing I remember about Bethlehem is they had a little coffee shop called Stars and Bucks. <laughs> I remember that. Jesus was, out of all the places in the world, Jesus picked Bethlehem? Say, Pastor B, how can you make us, help us understand that today? Very simple. If it were, let's say Jesus was born in the United States. Of all the places in the United States, this, this sentence would be equivalent to, Jesus was born in Belton. Does that translate? Is that good? I'm from Belton. Okay, other than that standpipe thing, y'all ain't got anything in Belton. All right, so, so, so it's, it's, it's Jesus was born in a, in a small town and in Judea during the reign of King Herod. That's important. Um, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Now, let me just kind of cover a couple things here because this is real unique, and then I'll show you how it works in our culture today. Wise men, and, and if you really dig in and study why they're called wise men. Another translation, many translations say astrologers are astronomers. They, they were astrologers. These were people that looked at, studied, and worshipped the stars. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, worshipping the stars was a no-no. You weren't supposed to do that. And it said, they were from eastern lands. Um, most scholars think modern-day Iran, Iraq. So, so they, they were not Jewish. In today's context, we would say they were not Christians. So let's just play this out for a second. In the Christmas story, you have ungodly people doing ungodly things. I wonder today... Just in the room we have right now, if there's any ungodly people, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, that have done some ungodly things. Yes, you just, relatives, you just hung out with them for the first time since last year. You, if you didn't say ungodly things, you thought them, all right? It, so here's, here's what's crazy. According to the Old Testament, they weren't supposed to worship the stars, God could have sent a prophet, and God could have said, hey, knock it off. You're wrong. Quit worshiping the stars. But you know what he did? And this is what he's done for every single one of us. He met them where they were. Hey, here's something bigger. He didn't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. He didn't. He, he just met them. He said, you know what? They're worshiping the stars. And, and can you imagine the angels? There's probably angels going, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing it. And, and God goes, hey, 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 I think we can use this. 
because this is where they are and this is where Jesus is. Let's just use where they are and let's bring them to Jesus. So, so he, he uses the So you got ungodly people doing ungodly things and God's using it. And then they show up. Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. <laughs> You're telling a group of scholars. We'll see that in a second. We saw a star and it rose and we've come to worship him. In other words, they didn't just see it. They were drawn to Jesus. Isn't that your story? There was a process. God used something or someone to draw us to him. I know that's what he did for me. Because when I first started going to church, and it took a while to get me there, I had both feet on the brakes and, and had the emergency brake pull. I mean, I mean, I remember a guy asked me, we'd been, we came a couple times, he says, so what do you think? I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I was like, that little lady y'all let sing, she couldn't sing. I mean, it was awful. It's off key. It's horrible. What do you think about the, the message? I don't think I agreed with it. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't like the choir robes. I don't, I don't like those ridiculous carpet in the church, ugly. I did. I said all that stuff. And then he looked at me and said, you coming back next week? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, I don't like anything. You coming back? Uh-huh. And it was this thing that was drawing me. And listen, I was an ungodly person doing ungodly stuff, but going to church. I think I just described most of us in the room. Ungodly people. Listen, if you're, I am godly. <laughs> if that's what you think about you, you're going to have a hard time fitting in here because we've worked really hard to create an environment where people can walk in and go, I'm jacked up, and everybody can go, amen, we know, we know, we can see it. We saw it on the bumper sticker on your car when you drove in. I didn't say what the bumper sticker was, I just said. What, what drew you, what drew, what drew you to, to Jesus? What was it that keeps drawing you to Jesus, just like the wise man, because he can use anything? Let me ask you this question. What was it that drew you to this place, to second chance? other than the hoodie. Like, what was it that drew you here? I'll tell you the story I get to hear. I stand in the first-timers area. God, I love the first-timers area. The first-timers area is for first-timers. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Caught somebody trying to sneak in last service. <laughs> Tased them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is the conversation I have every week back in the first-timers area. In some way, shape, form, or fashion... And it, this is, I, it's said differently, but this is the way I hear it. Because I always ask this question. If you come back there today, I'll hear the, I ask you this question. What brings you to second chance? And 90% of the time, this is what I hear. You did. Hold on, hold on, it gets better. And I'm like, really? How so? And this is essentially what I hear. Oh, I thought my life was screwed up. But then I heard about you. And after I heard about you, I was like, I can go to that church. <laughs> I swear I hear that every week. You know what? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it because you know what? We created this environment. This is not a spiritual gym where the spiritually mature can show up and flex their spiritual muscles. It's a triage for broken people who understand if it weren't for the grace of God, we wouldn't even be breathing today. 
I had somebody ask me recently, Pastor P, what are we going to do if the Pharisees show up? It's very simple. None of them actually think I should be a pastor, so they won't come. Okay, good. Let's keep going. All right. So it was like, <laughs> should we laugh at that? Yeah, that was good. That's great. So, so these guys show up. They're not even Christians. And they're like, tell us about the Messiah. And, and the Bible says this. King Herod was deeply disturbed. Deeply disturbed <clears throat> when he heard this. As was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, we've all had things that deeply disturbed us, like deeply disturbed. I'm not talking about bothered us, but deeply disturbed us. Now, this bothered Herod. It deeply disturbed him because he had his mindset on his kingdom. And it bothered everyone in Jerusalem, and here's why. In their minds, they thought that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to be a political Messiah that reestablished the kingdom of David. And that would have been a big deal. But God's plans are always bigger. Let me show you what I mean. And I, this is, for me, when I saw this visually, I worked this out visually, it was mind-blowing. This was their vision. Reestablish the kingdom of David. If God could just do that, that, this is what we want. God, this is my prayer. This is what I'm asking for. These are my dreams. See, this is what they wanted, but God wanted immeasurably more because this was their vision. That's God's vision. They, they, they're like right there. That's the reason I would tell you that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Here's why. These are your plans. These are God's plans. These are your ways. These are his ways. This is what we want for the church. This is what he wants for the church. And you can't accomplish that you can accomplish this believing in yourself, but why would you settle for this when you can have this? You can't accomplish that believing in yourself. You can accomplish that believing in the power of God working in and through you. Well, Pastor P, God wouldn't work through me because I'm not godly. Neither were the wise men. And we're talking about them 2,000 years later. They weren't scripturally knowledgeable, they just said, hey, something's drawing us, and we need to go in that direction. Now, watch what happens. This is amazing. This is fascinating to me. Um, the, the Bible says he called a meeting, Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In other words, they had a Bible study. Now, the wise men weren't allowed to come into the Bible study because they couldn't, like, come into the, like the Christian environment, so they have to stay outside. So they're having a Bible study about the Messiah. And watch what happens. Um, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet wrote. And, and then, watch this, this is crazy, this is crazy. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. So they had, they find out, from non-Christian people that were doing non-Christian things about the Messiah, they had a Bible study. Yep, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And then they quoted from the book of Micah. Now, there's some people in this room that know some scripture. You know some word. Like John 3.16. Man, 
jot that down. Got me a memory verse. God so loved the world. And for those of you that need another one, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. You can write that down. You can go home. You can call somebody today and say, I, I know more scripture. I know, I know twice as much scripture as I did when I went to church growing in the Lord. I don't know many people that can just start dropping quotes from Micah. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> if you do, you came alone. All right? I, I'm just saying, I just don't know anybody that can drop a lot of verses from Micah. They had, they had a Bible study, and don't miss this. Don't miss this. They knew the scriptures and missed the Savior. The religious people knew the scriptures and missed the Savior. And if you've ever been church hurt, you were hurt by a group of people that knew the scriptures and missed the Savior. Here's what's crazy. Bethlehem's only six miles from Jerusalem. But they weren't even willing to go that far to meet Jesus. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? So watch what happens next. This is crazy. So, so Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Watch this. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search for, carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. You ever met anybody shady? Yep. So yeah, I was standing in the lobby a while ago. The guy walked by me. I was like, who is that? <laughs> it's Philip. Um, I just... <laughs> when, when you look at this... It, Herod's like, hey, y'all, y'all come and y'all go find, go, go find the baby and then come tell me about him because I want to worship him too. But, but I, I, I'm going to talk about this and then in January, February, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Um, they never agreed with Herod that that's what they would do. And it's a really good thing because had they done that, he would have killed them. I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, when he... When they didn't do this, and I'll go into that in a minute, when they didn't do this, he wound up killing every child in that vicinity that was two years old and under. He killed them all. He was an evil, vicious man. Which, all that to say this, be very careful with who you make agreements with. Don't, so, so, there are too many people in this room right now, too many people watching all around, you've made agreements with the enemy. And these are some of the agreements that you've made. It's too late. I've gone too far. I'm too messed up. There's no hope for me. Those were agreements that you made with the enemy that we're going to break today because while you can't break those agreements on your own, the power of God working in and through you can break anything that the enemy has tried to place on you. Okay? <laughs> go, go. In other words, he's kind of setting them up. And they leave, and they're kind of leaving. And after this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. So they, they followed the star. They almost got sidetracked by religion. They, they didn't get to Bethlehem through Jerusalem. They had to go around Jerusalem. They had to go around religion to get there. And so... So it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Wouldn't it be awesome if God just did that for us today? God, where am I supposed to work? You're driving down the road. Ah, just kind of pull in, apply. God, who am I supposed to marry? Ah, 
Wouldn't that be amazing? God, what's the winning lottery number? Hi. Hey, if y'all get that one, let me know. Let me know. So, so they, they see the star. It leads them straight to Jesus. Watch this. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So, so that, I mean, we got some excited wise men right here. And then the Bible says, when they entered the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, they gave. Now, let's think about it from Mary's standpoint. Let's just, let's just use a perhaps. Moms, you can, you can identify with this. Dads were clueless. Okay, moms, let's say you just got the baby to sleep. Let's just hypothetical. We don't know. But let's say you just got the baby to sleep and just laid the baby down. Now, very different. They didn't lay Jesus down in a sanitized crib, okay? They laid him in a feeding trough. And there's a knock at the door. And you, you, you get the door and there's some guys you don't even know. Un- ungodly people you don't know and they're like can we come in and see the baby there's not a mom in this room who's gonna be like sure come on in no no you you are but but for some reason Mary lets them in and when they see the baby they break open their treasure chest and start giving gold now, that's where every mom changes her mind. Y'all going to wake that baby up? Yeah, you, you know what? I'll rename the baby. I'll rename the baby after you. What y'all want to name? I'll just name it everything. Like, like they, they, they start giving. And for me, the reason it always has struck me is because when you, when you meet Jesus, and Jesus begins to do a change in your life, eventually he gets control of all of your life, even, even the way that you give. That's what happened to me. I, how many of you know <laughs> when you meet Jesus, like we say, I surrender all, but we don't really. It, it's a process. Like it's a, I'm going to surrender. Now, some people surrender quicker than others. It took me 10 years to surrender the, the giving area of my life. It took me 10 years. I'd be like, I don't know about the whole giving thing. And finally, I had to surrender that. Now, that, I, this is, this, these are my reasons. They don't have to be your reasons. But let me just kind of share with you three reasons that I give. And when I say give, I'm talking about giving financially. Let me tell you three reasons I give. Number one is I want to become more like Jesus. How many people in the room know that if you were standing next to Jesus that nobody would mistake you as twins? Like four people. Okay, everybody over here is godly. How many people over here know? Yeah, okay, there's more people already. No, you don't have to point at her, sir. Oh, we got it. Okay, thank you so much. I like to think I'm, I've made some progress in my spiritual journey. I, I like to think that about myself from time to time. I, I do. I don't beat myself up. I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm doing good. But then, but then I, I'll face a setback. You ever face a setback? My setback this week was Wednesday. I decided that I needed to run an errand. And I was like, how hard could this be? I'm going to get my truck. I'm going to drive down 81. I'm going to go to CVS. I'm going to pick up my prescription because that's what old people do. I was excited about it. It's the first time I got out of the house all day. I got halfway to where I was supposed to be, and traffic stopped. And I was reminded around the holidays in Anderson, South Carolina, the driver IQ drops 100 points just like that. 
Smartest person gets in the world, gets behind the wheel. And I am in traffic, and I am angry. You, you want to know how a person's walk with Jesus is? Let them get stuck in traffic. I'm angry. I got my, I got my phone up. I'm, I'm looking to see if there's a wreck. I, I'm, I'm angry. Lady pulled out like I was right here, and I was kind of pulling up close to the car, and she pulled in. I was mad at her. I was angry. I just realized because of the words that were coming out of my mouth, I got a long way to go in my walk with Jesus. But, but you know what? When I, when I give, it, it does something to me spiritually. It helps me to become more like Jesus because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so giving, when I give tangibly, it helps me to become more like Jesus. Number one, or number two, it in, I'm able to invest in what matters to Jesus. I got a question for you. Be honest. You're at second chance. Be honest. How many of you know in this room, I'm going somewhere with this, so don't get mad at me. Just let me finish the thought. That occasionally, some women can be a little bit crazy. How many of you know that? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, don't point. Just, 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 yeah. Now, there's some, you can put your hand down. Good, good Lord, okay? I just, um, women, don't judge me. Some of y'all are like, but what about men? I mean, we're just, listen, like, women, I'll put it to you this way. I have heard women say about other women, I don't understand her. She's crazy. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? Now, if you're married, you know that occasionally crazy happens. Am I right? Don't answer out loud. Just, just, just I feel the amens coming. But crazy doesn't mean that we throw everything out. Now, the only reason I say that is because the church is the bride of Christ. Let me ask you a question. In the past 2,000 years, has the bride been a little crazy? Absolutely. The Crusades, beautiful example of the church missing the point. The Inquisition, yeah, the church is been crazy. But you know what? The church is still God's plan to change the world. If it wasn't for the church, just a side note, and you can research this historically, orphanages would not exist. Hospitals would not exist. Schools would not exist. They weren't started by government organizations that had great ideas. They were started by groups of people that believed in Jesus, believed in his word, believed in their power through him, and they actually took a step of faith to make a difference in the world. And we're still seeing that difference made today. Now, the third reason, <laughs> the third reason, this one's funny, is it pays the way for blessings. Like, when you give, you get blessed. Now, let me pause, tell y'all, I'm not like the guy you saw on TV. Now, I can do the guy you saw on TV. I can do it. Some of you right now, you're just watching. You're at home watching. And I feel it. You got, you got a pain in your back. I just described everybody in the room. 
You got a pain in your back. You got some trouble in your family. Dear God, really? Can you get any more general than that, sir? You got some trouble in your family. And I'm believing right now, if you just touch the screen, just touch the screen with me. And if you'll sow $150 seed into the ministry, God is going to set you free. See, I can do it. Some of y'all said, that is dangerously close. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all, I don't believe those guys. I don't believe they're real. Like when they go to Cracker Barrel, do they talk like that? Waitress comes up, what can I get you? Lady, you can get me some grilled chicken uh, and some biscuits with some jelly and some butter and some sweet tea that'll flow. I'm not down with that either. I'm not down. If that happened at Cracker Barrel, I just get up and leave because I'm like, God's going to strike somebody and I don't want shrapnel getting all over me. And I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy, I'm going to tell you, I was at a church one time, I swear to you this happened. I was at a church one time and the pastor said, you know, I was reading Psalm 55, 12 and I just feel like if 100 people would sow $55.12. I told the friend with me, I was like, he missed it. What do you mean he missed it? Well, there's 139 chapters in Psalm. He's trying to get money. He needs to get out of Psalm 55 and get into Psalm 139. Double his money just by reading a little bit more of the Bible. Anyway, that's how I think. That's how my mom processes. I'm not that guy that says if you'll, sit, if you'll give $10, God will give you $100. i am not the guy that says if, God will give you, if you'll give $100, God will give you $1,000. i am not that guy. I don't believe that. But you know what? I'm close. You know why? Because I've never given a dime that I missed and that God didn't bless me on. God, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You can't outgive him. He'll just bless you. And watch what happens when they, when they give. Watch what happens. If ungodly people doing ungodly things, they meet Herod. Herod's like, come back and tell me where the baby is. That's what the enemy's doing. He's always trying to get us to come back the way we came come back the way we came. The enemy always wants us to go back. Are you, are you getting that? Enemies always want us to go back the way we came. But watch what happens when the wise men meet Jesus. Watch what happens. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. You know why? Because you can't meet Jesus and stay the same. Jesus is always going to put us on another route. You know why? Because he loves us too much to let us do it on our own. If we settle for our plans, we have immeasurably less. If we surrender to Jesus, we will always have immeasurably more. For God had warned them in a dream. What? See, up until this point, God spoke to them through a star. They meet Jesus. The communication gets more personal. Now he's speaking to them through dreams. You can't meet Jesus and stay the same. You, you can't meet Jesus and stay on the same. Jesus always changes us, listen to me, for the better. That's the story of my life. That's the story of many of the people in this room. That's the story of your life. You know what? That's the story of this church. We started out as a church. By the way, I tell this story all the time. And if you hang out long enough, you'll hear it again and again and again and again. You know why? Because I never get tired of bragging on God. 
I've had people say, I was at the very first service at Second Chance. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Tell me I wasn't. I can tell you you weren't. You know why? Because that's where the first service of Second Chance happened. And I was the only one in the room. I put my iPhone 7 on this bookcase, propped it up so it wouldn't fall, and preached a message. Now, you might have watched that message. I blocked over 200 people that day, by the way. I did. That block feature is good. Block, block, block. But that's where it started. And you know what? When I stood here, I never saw this. In fact, I was just like, you know, this is, if th this is probably all it'll ever be. You know why? Because I came into agreement with way too many things that said that I was no longer useful for the kingdom of God, just like some of you have. And then, then the opportunity came to, to get in, the, in, I call it the Barbaritos building down the road. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all came there? Um, the opportunity came to open up that facility. We had to raise some money, and we raised some money, and it was crazy. But I remember the night before we opened that building, sitting in my living room in my apartment, literally crying, thinking nobody was going to show. God, I'm, God, this right here is safe, God. Nobody's going to show if I take that step of faith. And some of you remember this. We took that step of faith, and that's what we saw. People lined up to get into the first service. I keep this picture on my phone. I look at it so much, and the reason I look at it is to remind me that sometimes our faith isn't strong enough. We got to borrow faith from somebody else. And if your faith isn't strong, if your faith isn't strong, you came to the right place because we will partner with you and we will believe with you and for you for greater things. But God wasn't finished here. Now, our lease ran out on that space and we were about to have to go. Some of you that were um, there, you remember you standing in front of the church going, hey, we may have to go back to an online campus for a while. I did. I said, I said those words. But then... Way before the church even started, I sat in the parking lot and I prayed over this building right here. I prayed over it. And I said, God, if we could just get that building. And then I discovered there was asbestos in the building. I was like, oh, God, I don't know. And then somebody bought it. I was like, well, there it goes. For those of y'all from Anderson, how many of y'all shopped there when it was Bilo? Yeah, okay. That's where you got your ice cream, your beer. Hey, here's a question. How many of you shopped there when it was Walmart? Mm -hmm. It was Walmart's before it was Bilo's. Look it up on the internet if you don't believe me. I bought it. And this is just an old abandoned, broke down building. And I thought, man, we're done. But then, and guys, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. I got a phone call from the guy that bought the building asking me if I was interested in leasing about 30,000 square feet. And we had plans drawn up for a building that was like 30,000 square feet. He asked me, are you interested? I said, did Billy Graham have a quiet time? <laughs> 
So some of you saw this, in a matter of time, this became this. Isn't it crazy how God took an old, broken down, dilapidated building and turned it into something that was immeasurably more than anybody could ever ask or imagine? Oh, by the way, it's so funny how God can take a broken down, busted up, dilapidated life and turn it into immeasurably more than all you could ever imagine. Why in the world would we think that God wants to do that for buildings and he doesn't want to do it for people? I'm excited about what he's done with the building, but take away the building, I'm fine. It's the people's lives that he's changing that sets my hearts on fire. Now, I've had some people ask, how much did all this cost? Glad you asked. $1.9 million is what we got in here for. It was originally supposed to be like 1.6, and then we were like, oh, wow, we should put carpet down. Um, and, and, and for those of y'all that ever, this is, this is about 800, 850 seats. That, to build an auditorium like that, we were able to, we, listen, we cut cost as much as we could. And then we had, um, we had a, another cost, like the lights, the, the screens, all the AVL was like $516,868. Um, that, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of money, right? So if you add all that up, we're like at what, $2.5, $2.6 million? It's a lot of money, isn't it? Pastor P, is this the announcement that the church is going bankrupt? We've got to shut the doors? No, no, it's just to let you know that we have a $775,000 balance. That means that over the course of the past year or so that you guys have given 1.6, we've been able to pay off $1.6 million. See, this isn't, this, isn't the, this isn't the tithe or die sermon. I've preached those. This is a thank you for giving. You're making a difference. We're seeing people come to Christ in this place. We're seeing people come back to church in this place. And you know what? As of about two or three, or as of about a month ago, we now have the opportunity to purchase this building. Not just lease it, but purchase it, which means we get an additional 20,000 square feet. Now, in order to do this, that's why we're doing the offering. We're going to carry this offering, the immeasurably more offering, for the next year. We need to raise $250,000 in the month of December to, to make a down payment on the building. What happens if we don't raise $250,000? I ain't even thought about it because everything I've ever asked this church to do, you guys have stepped up and done. I don't have to get... I don't... I don't have to get up here and bring out children and say, you see Glenda? You see little Glenda? Y'all don't give. She's going to go to hell. How you feel about that, Glenda? How you feel about going to hell, huh? I don't want Glenda to go to hell. And then you write a check and it bounces. And so, like, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just here telling y'all, listen, this church has stepped up every time. I thank God for a church that every time I've ever put a need out, you guys have stepped up. I'm just telling you, that's what we need during the month of December in order to make the down payment. What are we going to do after that? Well, we're going to pay off the balance of what we owe. We're going to pay off the balance of what we owe. What are we going to do after that? I'm glad you asked. We're going to build a state-of-the-art student facility. We're going to build a place where our teenagers... Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Let me tell you. Most of you know I'm not a pastor. 
I'm a youth pastor pretending to be a pastor. I love students. I absolutely love student ministry. And here's why. If I had had a church like this between the ages of 11 and 18, 90% of the stupid things that I've done in my life could have possibly been erased because I would have been able to go to a place where I experienced the presence of Jesus every single week, not just on Sundays, but on Wednesdays. And at the end of the day, we believe in the next generation. This church will invest in our children. We will invest in our students because they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. I thank God for them today, for the difference makers we have in there today. And then what's really awesome is this right here are going to be, you know, we don't even have offices, but we're going to have offices and it's sort of like a meeting area. And the reason this is so important is so we can launch our Greenville campus in the next two to three years. It's time. It's time. Why are we going to start other campuses? Because I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus preached through the local church is the hope of the world. That nothing has the potential to change the world like the local church. And I believe there are a lot of people outside these doors that need a second chance. Perry, how are we going to accomplish this? Well, we're not going to believe in ourselves we're going to take the Apostle Paul's advice. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, does that work within us? We're not going to believe in what we can do. We're going to believe in what he can do through us. And if this is what he wants to do with this building, how much more so does he want to do in your life? What would happen if we just we were just a group of people who said, God, we're going to believe in you. We're going to take you at your word. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. God, if, if you said it, I believe it. What would happen if we took God at his word and we took that posture in our hearts? Jesus, over these next few moments, we just reflect on you, who you are, what you've done in our lives. God, some of us today aren't where we wish we would be, we could have been. Father, I pray that you would fill each person with hope. God, that the past can't be changed, but the future can be immeasurably more. God, that you would fill us with the faith today to believe you, to literally believe your word, what you speak, God, clearly in your word and what you speak to us. May we come alive today with faith, faith unlike we've ever experienced before. And may you get the glory, Jesus, for it all. In your name we pray, amen. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill us, God, with the knowledge that you want to accomplish immeasurably more. God, that we would believe for it, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, would you let God speak to your heart? What's the miracle that you need to believe him for today?
What's the miracle that you need to believe, the prodigal that God's going to bring home, the relationship he's going to restore? He's, he can do it. He can do it. He can do immeasurably more. What's the miracle you're going to believe in your heart today? For those of you in the room that have never prayed to receive Christ, today's the day. Today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus. All over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know you need to give your life to Christ, then right where you stand, whether you're in the room or watching online today, I want you to pray right now in your heart. Just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, would you do me a favor and shoot your hand straight up in the air? Straight up in the air because I want to pray amen. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Hand in the air, hands in the air, hands in the air. Amen, amen. Hold them up, hold them up, hold them up. Father, I want to thank you for every single hand in the air. I want to thank you for every single changed life. I want to thank you, Jesus, that we have never met as a church where you didn't bring someone from death to life. And I pray that each person would know that today that they are unconditionally loved, accepted, and chosen by you. Father, I pray for those of us in this room as we walk out of this place that we would know, Jesus, that miracles are still possible. They're not something that happened. There are things that are happening. There are things that will happen in the future. Fill us with the faith to believe. Fill us with the hope that we can know that immeasurably more is ahead of us. Thank you, God, for every single person in this place, for every single person fighting a battle right now, for facing a struggle. God, that we can know on the other side is immeasurably more. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that your plans are greater. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be in this place. In your name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.